You're listening to From the Clubhouse, a National Club Golfer podcast. Just popping the three letters into a social media channel is enough to bring up a column of chat it would take you hours to digest. More than a year after its launch, the World Handicap System continues to be debated and digested by golfers all over the UK. But sift through that collection and one theme emerges again and again. Integrity, or more precisely, the fear that WHS can be manipulated. So what's really going on under the bonnet? Is there any truth to the claims or is it all just another internet conspiracy theory? And what are governing bodies doing to ensure we're all playing by the same rules and that those determined to be nefarious are caught out? My guest this week on the From the Clubhouse podcast is Gemma Hunter, England Golf's Head of Handicapping and Course Ratings, and we got into a deep dive about all things WHS security. Gemma, uh, welcome to the From the Clubhouse podcast. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Steve. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, we're delighted to have you with us. We are just over a year or so now into the World Handicap System. How are things going? Uh, it's uh, It's been an interesting uh, 12 months, or should I say 18 months, really, when you take into consideration the build-up. Um, but it's been it's been a roller coaster. I think is is the, the, the truth about this. It's... Uh, it, we launched in in not the best circumstances uh, back in in November 2020, and, and I think we've said this before. We've had like we had like three days in in WHS, and then we were in a lockdown again, and and that was pretty much it until March. So we almost see the the launch almost being in March because that's when people actually started to use it for the first time. So um, over that Christmas period last year. We, we understand there was glitches, there was issues that were going on. There was a lot of people had a lot of questions um, and it actually allowed us to be able to address that over that winter period ready for the start of the season. So when people did get start using the system back in March, people relatively picked it up pretty quick. Um, and actually, the more people have used it, the more understanding people have got about the system because I think it's very difficult to go... This is what a new system is. This is what it's got, what's going to happen. And you don't actually know until you've tried it. We say this to kids all the time, don't we? You don't know if you like it until you've tried it. And people have gone out there now and tried it and gone, actually, it's not as bad as I first thought. Yes, it's easier. If you just concentrate on the numbers, it makes sense. If you don't worry about the maths, it makes sense. So things like that. So we're, we're starting to see a lot more acceptance for the system. And people are now just getting on with it because it is going to be the norm going forward. You were uh, fielding thousands of inquiries, tens of thousands of inquiries um, at one point every week. Has that settled down a bit now? Yeah, we we, we did. And, and certainly throughout the playing season, we know we're going to get a lot of queries. That's not unusual. Um, so we, we do expect anywhere between... 800 and a thousand queries a week in a normal sort of like playing season so that's not unusual um 
as we've gone through, obviously, into the winter, it started to fall off and, and, and plateau out a little bit. But I think what we've tried to do is actually say to golfers, you, your point of contact is your golf club. Like, there's, there's no point coming to, to us. Your golf clubs have got the answer. They've got the capability to do everything regarding your handicap. So go and speak to your golf club. So the majority of questions we're getting now are from golf clubs rather than from individual players because that message is starting to get across. Um, but, yeah, we have seen it decline, uh, the, the volume, which we always hoped we would. But any time we put a communication out there or we do a piece of education, we see a little bit of a spike of questions because one topic then leads to a question on another topic and it just snowballs a little bit. But, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're very happy to be engaging with people around WHS um, and it's something that we've wanted to do for a long time. And this this is obviously a, just a, a catalyst to being able to do that. Yeah, any time I put a, a story about WHS on social media, um, various things will arise. Um, just for people who are listening, Gemma's giggling a bit here at the moment. Um, we're here to talk about WHS integrity um, and the perception that, that people have around the system and and whether it is possible to game it and what kind of things that the uh, governing body are able to do to maintain the integrity of that system. So I, I did start off by saying whenever we put something on social media, you, you get a certain response. And obviously you, you're aware of those kind of responses that it's easy to rig handicaps. People call it a cheats charter. They say, you know, what's to stop us putting in any scores that we want? And and that does seem to be a common theme around uh, around those who are still perhaps adjusting to the system or just don't like it. I mean, what, what is the truth then of this? I mean, is it easy to rig handicaps on WHS? I don't think it is. I think you've got to have a pretty good maths brain to be able to work it out and to actually work out how everything's going to affect the score. And then is it going to be one of your best eight? And then how how's the PCC going to affect it? And how's everything else that were all, all the bits when they're all, all, all firing, then it's quite difficult to actually, unless you keep a really solid record of your rounds, it's it's not it's not that simple. You can do it, and 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 it was it's really interesting. And, and I'll mention this: it's not really relevant to WHS, but we've just been having a bit of a, a cleanse, shall we say, a tidy up in in the offices at Woodall Spa. And I found a letter from somebody in 1963 on uh, on Wednesday that basically said any handicapping system around the world will expose cheats. Um, and like I said, this is 1963. This is a handicap system that that is brand new. Um, people are going to try and pick holes in it. It was exactly the same with the Congo system. People tried to pick pick holes in it, and we've always said you can't build a handicap system to stop cheats. The we as, a, as as golfers play with a I think we play with a higher level of integrity than maybe some other sports because we're not governed by a referee every time we go out and play. It is peers checking and challenging each other i'd tell you if you got if you'd done something wrong and you'd tell me if i'd if i'd done a rule wrong or if something so it's about that check and challenge so there may be people trying to play the system and we're never going to get away from that but what we actually need to happen is their playing partners people that they are playing with and within their golf club need to stand up and say hold on a minute this isn't right and tell the golf club and then we can actually then start that disciplinary process and deal with it 
if we just have people just going out on social media going, this guy's cheating, it's a cheat's charter, we can't actually solve the problem and we can't deal with the people that are doing this. So it's really important to say, look, speak to your golf club. If you think that somebody's playing the system, speak to the golf club that they're a member of and, and highlight it to them because then they can start to look into it. Yeah, We'll get into some of the things that England golf are doing to try and maintain the integrity of the system and obviously what clubs can do as well with their own handicap committees a little bit later on. But I wanted to address one other point at this stage, which comes up on social media all the time, which is that the WHS system seems to favour the higher handicapper. We, we saw all kinds of um, huge Stableford scores that were um, put out there at the, at the start of WHS, really, at the start of the season anyway, in April. And, and that kind of theme has continued on. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know if you guys are looking at statistics at, at Woodall Spa. I mean, what can you tell us about that? D does the system uh, favour a higher handicapper over a lower handicapper? Did that always happen? Or what, what's your sort of view of it? So th there's almost two sides to this. There's the, the side of saying... The handicap system is developed to be as equitable as possible when players play in a competition with other players. So that's why we have a playing handicap allowance. So you have a playing allowance for single stroke play Stableford to basically that 95% adjustment basically then says if everybody was playing off 100%, the higher handicapper would always win statistically because if you imagine a higher handicap player off, let's let's say somebody off 25, there's a very good chance that on any given day, that 25 handicapper could quite easily play to 18. And on another day, could quite easily play to 35 if they're having a bad day. So they have quite a wide sort of like scope of what type of scores they might put in. Compare that player to somebody off five or six, it's unlikely that they're going to play to scratch, but they might play to three or four, where and their high scores are unlikely to be 15 over. They might be eight or nine over. So their, their sort of like scope of scores is quite narrow. So if you just played everybody off 100%, the chances are we have more higher handicappers than we have low in the system, which which is probably everybody understands that. But those players are more likely to win if you have it at 100%. So what we do is we do a 95% adjustment. Those lower handicap players hardly see any change at all. Um, whereas the higher handicap players lose some strokes. So therefore that narrows their potential to score better. Yeah, I, I wonder... And, and I wonder if people think that, um, <clears throat> and I'll give you an opportunity to talk about 95% in a minute, because people think that's a new thing, whereas you're going to tell me it isn't. Um, but I, I, I wonder whether people think that 95% is enough to uh, negate the benefits that some higher handicappers have received, perhaps from from um, their from their WHS mark converting into a playing handicap. But if you make it 90% and then you make it 90% for everyone, then some of the lower handicappers are going to get caught as well, aren't they? Yeah, I think there is a, there's a there's an ongoing debate of whether 95%'s right. And statistically, we've looked at it and gone, oh, is it right? Is it not right? And we're having that discussion at a world level. So we're 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 not leaving it at 95% and that's it. 
we are having the discussion of let's have a look at the data, let's have a look at the stats and let's see what it is. So, yeah, and, 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 and it's not going to go away, but we're going to keep reviewing it and looking at it. There's two points to what you've just said. One is the fact that it's always been there. So 95% isn't new. It's just now visible. So in the old Kongu system, we used to have something built into how we did like the annual review, which was called bonus for excellence, which was exactly the same principle. It basically meant we reduced a higher handicap player's handicap more than we did a lower handicap player or, or what we expected them to score was different. So it's always been included in the system. It was included in the USGA system prior to WHS. It was used in Golf Australia. There was a lot of countries around the world who used it as a raw value and had it exposed. We had it hidden, so people didn't see it. Now we've just made it visible and people think we've created like a new beast. It's not. It's something that's always been there. And the second point that you said there is about that initial period where players' indexes had gone from a, a handicap under Congo to an index. And one of the first things that we said to every golf club when we were doing that transition is have a look at your players, carry out a handicap review. And those clubs that actually went full pelt into this and really did a review of their players' indexes haven't seen these types of problems. And I'm not blaming golf clubs. What I'm saying is the whole process relies on everybody playing their part. So if if a handicap committee has had a look at their players and gone, yes, we believe everybody is correctly handicapped at the start, then as they've started putting scores in, it's levelled out. And that's why we've seen it's sort of like a decline in not decline in the number of, of of people saying that we've got an issue but we've stopped really seeing those ridiculously high scores because people have now put in scores and their index has started to level out so i think it's it's about it needed time and it needed everybody to play their part and i think a few little things didn't quite line up but again a year on into the system start of next season i think we'll see a whole different picture again yeah, and as unpopular as it might be for some golfers to face the prospect of winter qualifiers, I know we don't have qualifiers, so I'm going to say that in inverted commas, but that that should, if that is carried out, negate that season beginning problem that we used to have every April where the improvers over the winter, particularly when we're talking about junior players, the system wouldn't have caught up with them yet. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that the system, the WHS system is a lot more sort of like dynamic in terms of allowing um, acceptable scores during the winter months. Um, and, and the course, a lot of, we've seen a lot of courses asking for provisional and provisional ratings for, for, for winter courses or for courses that will be played in the winter. So um, we are seeing more and more clubs doing that and wanting to do that now. So yeah, I think you're right. I think once people get used to the fact that actually we can play golf all year round we might have two or three weeks maybe even a month of the year where it's like you ain't even setting foot onto a golf course with a card in your hand for example the last week after we had uh, the really bad storm and it was very wet and it's been freezing cold and people aren't going to want to go out and play um but yesterday was a lovely day in lincolnshire there was hardly any rain uh, it was blue clear blue skies and there was a lot of people out there playing golf. It's still winter golf, but they're out there enjoying being out and playing a golf course that that is is in a 
playable condition, shall we say? Let's get behind the bonnet or under the bonnet a little bit and talk about what the governing body uh, are doing to try and maintain the integrity of the system. So we'll talk about iGolf in a minute because that's specific and it has a it has its own handicap committee, I think. But but in in terms of um, how you guys are looking at the system centrally, what what can you do to to kind of breed confidence in golfers that that. Um, while the focus obviously falls on clubs, that that you're you're looking there and you're seeing and you're you're making sure everything is as it should be. Yeah, so we're going. We're basically we've done bits of we've done audits all the way through the year. So we've looked at um, the 95%. So we've picked topics that have been in in the media that people have spoke to us about and gone, okay, what what's the issue? What can we as England golf do to try and help? And then. Of all that things that have come in, if we go, okay, we, we think this is an issue, we have to then take that to the World Handicap Authority. We have to take that to the, the RNA USGA in the world body to say, not quite sure this is right. What can we do about it? Can we have a look at it? Because ultimately, it's not England golf's decision to change something. It, it's not Scottish golf's decision. It's not Wales golf. It's actually the RNA USGA as the World Handicapping Authority. So we've we've looked at, and, and a couple of the big talking points I think that we've had this year, and I don't think you'll disagree, is PCC and the 95%. They're probably the two, or the allowances in general, shall we say. So they're probably the two big talking points that we've had. And we've done our research, we've had a look and we've gone, yeah, something's not quite right. I can't quite put my finger on why it's not right, but it's not right. So therefore, we've asked the RNA USGA World Handicap System to have a look at it, uh, and they are doing that. Um, they're having a look at all the formulas, all the calculations. We've given them rafts and rafts of score data um, so that they can actually analyse real people's scores, and we're not working on statistical models or anything like that to try and get us into a better place. Um, and, and that'll take a little bit of time but it is being worked on. So those two are probably the big two things that we've, we've flagged up. But we do a lot of stuff on a daily basis. So we're, we're having a look at, at the number of um, scoring tents that people are creating for general player scores. And then we had a look at how many of those weren't being satisfied. So we saw the sheer volume of, of general player scores that have, been, have come in this year. We're, we're nearly up to two and a half million. Uh, general play scores. Um, if you compare that to the fact that we had around, I think we had about um, 117,000 of those general play scores that were never actually submitted. So they were pre-registered. People have su submitted their intent and then they've not put the score in. Well, under the old system, it would have been, well, that would have been an NR. It would have gone in your record. And we saw this this happening. So what we've done is we've introduced the automatic penalty score application so that if you pre-register your score and you don't submit it, you're going to get a penalty score because it's part of us as players. It's our responsibility to adhere to the rules. And that is one of the rules of handicapping, that if you pre-register, you have to submit your score. Um, so the things like that that we're trying to do, um, and obviously... We're helping golf clubs manage disciplinaries. We're helping them work out whether or not somebody has been trying to manipulate the system. Um, and it's not 
it's not easy for us to do that on a computer because you just look at figures and somebody could just be having a bad spell. You don't know. However, you look at it from another, a slightly different point of view and the golf club know that player better than anybody else. So we're supporting golf clubs to make the right decision in line with disciplinary processes and the rules of handicapping to make sure that actually we, we can take action when we find players that, that want to play the system. And I think you're also trying to get uniformity, aren't you, with the way that um, the system interacts with other software providers in the sense that we can get everyone kind of entering a score and recording and verifying and certifying a, a score in a consistent way. Is that right? Yeah, so we've, we've obviously, that's, that's the aim. Within the My England Golf app, My EG app, you can pre-register your score as long as you're at the venue within a within a, a radius of the of the venue. You can then download your scorecard. You can go out and play. There's a a time period where you can't submit your score. It makes you very like you have to have it verified by another player with the app. So we did that with our app, and then we've gone to all the other software providers and said, look, guys, if if you're going to do general play scores on apps or devices, then we need this this uniformity across the board just just so that we are protecting the integrity of the system um i think it was highlighted at one point that somebody said i could put a card in playing at my club in um in manchester um while i was in spain and 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 it made us chuckle at first and then we went actually no we can't be having this this can't this can't happen so it, it's one of those conversations and we're working with the software vendors to to get that in place one of the uh, charges, if that's the right word, I don't think it is, but but we'll keep it in for the moment. One of one of the things that was said about when when the iGolf scheme was first introduced and um, and and independent golfers were able to get a handicap through through England Golf. One of the, one of the um, things that was trotted out there was, well, where where will the integrity be in this system? Forgetting that obviously they use the app in the same way that any other golf club member uses the app, but. Um, there was a handicap committee established uh, for iGolf um, to specifically to look at this. How's that going? Yeah, it's good. It's good. We've got a handicap committee with uh, five people on it uh, and, and I sit on that. Um, so I, I sit on that committee as sort of like one of the, the, the members of staff that oversee it. Um, and myself and Claire Hodgson, who manage the iGolf programme, um, were involved along with some of our, shall we say, most experienced handicap advisors uh, across the country. And we're looking at our internal processes, so what we do. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish sort of like the best practice. We're trying to work out what is the best thing to be doing. And I'm now taking bits of ideas that we've done within the iGolf committee and going, actually, can we turn this into best practice for golf clubs for next year? So it's really helping us engage how we help golf clubs for next year. So we have a high, uh, uh, this, the, the committee. Um, we meet on a regular basis. We speak regularly. Um, certainly internally, and the iGolf and WHS team are reviewing iGolfers' handicap records on a daily basis. So some of the reports that we get through WHS, like um, the general play scores report, the uh, unsatisfied score intent report, the um, deleted score intent report are all being checked on a daily basis. And if we see players that have got two or three deleted score intents, 
in a period of time, we're going to that player and going, the reasons that you've given us here aren't valid. Why, why, why did you walk in? What was the reason that you didn't complete your round? This shouldn't be happening. So they all get a warning, as everybody should, like they get a slap on the wrist the first time. And if they continue to do it, we're applying penalty scores. So we're actually, we're probably being harsher than most handicap committees, to be honest, because we want to maintain that high le level of integrity. Um, we did our, our annual review. Um, we ran the annual review report. We looked at all the players that come in on the annual review. Uh, and we did it almost in two batches. So we did all the new players that we've had to iGolf that have never played golf before. And then we looked at all those players that have uh, not been golf club members for, for a period of time and have now joined iGolf. And we had a look at those separately because they've got playing history. Um, they've got experience on a golf course. So we, we've sort of looked at both and, and we've, we've made any adjustments that were required. Um, so, yeah, we're trying to do things as best as we can, as if, as if we were a golf club handicap committee. We've had um, golfers come to us and say, I don't believe this eye golfer is doing things correctly, just as we would expect a, a, somebody to challenge a golf club committee. And we've had a look at it and we've sorted any problems out and we've spoke to the player and things like that. So it is a case of saying we want to be held to that higher level of integrity almost. And, and we're going to try and do that with iGolf. And then from that, we can um, use that learning to try and help golf clubs become better at managing their handicap committees. Yeah, I mean, it's a learning experience for you as well. I mean, obviously, you guys are the handicap experts, but it's a new system for you, just as it is for us as well. And, and, and you're learning from that as you go along, I think, with automatic penalty scores, for example. I mean, I remember I was I was just getting ready to write a piece about a flaw that I thought I'd found in the England Golf app um, regarding deleted scores. And then by the time I'd put pen to paper, you'd shut the door on that one as well. So, <laughs> so there, there are things out there that that... You, you are learning about this as, as the system matures. Yeah, definitely. And we're, like I said, we're all learning together. Um, and obviously, I've got a slight advantage that I've been doing it for a little bit longer in terms of had my head in WHS for a little bit longer than most people. But I'm still learning. People still throw things at me and I go, oh, well, yeah, I've not thought about that. Right, OK, let's let's have a look and see what we can do. And we're working with our development team. We're working to improve the app. We're working on loads of things to try and like make it better. And I think we were never going to get it right first time. We've never had an app before up until like 12 months ago. Uh, things take a bit of time um, and we've given ourselves that time. We, we know we're not, we don't profess to be an all singing, all dancing like technology company. That's not what we're here for. We're here to govern the game of golf. Um, but we want to do things that make it easy to use. And I think, You've said it yourself, I think, Steve, the app is pretty straightforward. It's not overcomplicated. Um, and therefore, that's why we, we, we're feeling that people like it. And a lot of people have downloaded it now. We're up to, I think, 370,000 uh, yeah, 370, people have downloaded the app. So we know people are, like, are liking it and are like, liking using it. So we'll, we'll keep trying to develop it and, and it'll get better over time. And for those who are, who are curious, the $64,000 question is, I mean, are people being caught? Are people who are manipulating the system being found out? We, we've certainly found people that have gone, certainly through iGolf, we've, we've spotted people and we've, we've checked and challenged and, and gone and spoke to them and dealt with them. 
um, we, we we can see that. We can see clubs are finding people that are trying to play the system and they are dealing with them. Counties have had disciplinaries and appeals going to them. So people are being not caught. I don't think caught's the right word, but are being challenged on it and being challenged on their behaviours. Um, and, I, and I hope that, like I said earlier on, that as golfers, we feel empowered enough to to challenge our playing partners about it and to challenge people that we play with on a regular basis. And people will get found out. Um, there's there's no hiding from that. Which brings us on quite nicely to uh, the next uh, section, which revolves the Handicap Committee and the crucial role that they have in maintaining the system. Because um, I think people often look at England golf is the first part of call for this. What are you doing to stop this? And what are you doing to to prevent cheats? But actually, um, the role that we have as uh, handicap chairmen and handicap committee members and, and anyone who's really on a committee, um, it, it starts at home. Is that, is that what you'd say? Yeah, definitely. I think, and, and again, I think it actually starts with us as golfers. So that's my first point is, is it's, it's our responsibility um, as golfers is, is first off. But then the golf club that you're a member of is your handicapping authority as a player. They are they are responsible for your handicap on a day to day basis. They can edit your handicap. They can delete your handicap. They can change your handicap. They can suspend your handicap. They, they've got the power to do everything. Uh, regarding your handicap they can change your score if you've got if you've put a six in and it should have been a seven they can change it if they've put if if you've noticed that you've done something your golf club committee can change it they have that capability within the my england golf platform and so it is a case of saying your golf club is your first port of call with anything whether it be a question whether it be um a question about whether or not your score's right, whether or not how the system works. If you believe that your playing partner is trying to play the system, tell your handicap committee at your golf club. They're the ones that need to take action first. If you look at our disciplinary and our process for dealing with disciplinary matters, we have to go through a process just as every sport does. Um, it has to be dealt with by the club first and foremost. If the club it can then go to the county if there's any appeals. If the county then, if it then gets appealed at county level, it comes to England Golf and we make the final decision. We can't make the final decision at club level because then the player or the golf club has no right of appeal and nowhere to go. So we have to follow that process. And and the role of the handicap committee, while we've automated more of the system than we ever had under Congo, because the committee doesn't necessarily need to go and check that a player's now returned their their score in the for general play. They don't have to check the book because they've done it on the app and it's electronic and it's done. And if they've not done it, they're going to get a penalty score and the committee's going to see a report that tells them about that penalty score. So, yes, we've automated a lot of it wherever we can. But ultimately, as people, we're all humans. A computer cannot decide whether or not your bad spell was because of manipulation or because you've got a frozen shoulder. It doesn't know that. It can't work that out. Um, so that's where a handicap committee have to come in and give us that human element. And it is really, really important. And we have heard of some clubs going, we don't have a handicap committee. 
and I just put my head in my hands and start going oh, like what what on earth like what's going on because it's been a part of the Congo system for the last 20 odd years that you have to have a handicap committee it's part of our affiliation requirements that you have a handicap committee and we just need to re-engage with clubs and go okay let's make sure you've got one let's make sure it's fit for purpose and do you all understand your role and what role you play in it so yeah the handicap committee is really important it used to be the last job that was given out when you were new in a committee room at a golf club and now i don't think it is that i think people now are actually putting their hand up because they want to be able to say i'm helping to maintain the integrity of this and 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 that's what we need we need people to put their hand up and go yeah i'll i'll help maintain the integrity of the system You've served on committees yourself, obviously, and, and, and you're well aware of how they work and you're well aware of how golf clubs are and, and people uh, go to play golf as a leisure activity. They don't necessarily go there to have conflict. So, I mean, as an experienced uh, handicapped person and as someone who um, as watches a lot of scores in, in your job, what kind of things can committees look out for? What, what are the warning signs that perhaps they might need to challenge a player? Yeah, I think... The, the, the most obvious one is they've put four or five general play scores in during a week and then they go out and play on a Saturday and they come in with a ridiculously good score in a competition. So using that comparison to between how somebody plays in general play versus how they play in a competition, if we're going to see manipulation, it's usually going to be for the benefit of something. Somebody's going to try and want to benefit from it. Um, and the only real benefit that we've got for manipulating your handicap is trying to win something. We we, we know that. Um, saying that you're a five handicapper and then not being able to hit the ball isn't a benefit to anybody. You're just going to look stupid. So if you've got your handicap falsely low because you want that status symbol, the only person you're going to embarrass is yourself when you can't play to it. Uh, whereas people will tend to manipulate their handicap to gain that advantage so they'll do it to try and win something so look at the comparison between general play and competition it's probably the biggest tip i can say and we have a report on the platform that allows clubs to do that um and and then if you start seeing patterns that you don't feel comfortable with you don't have to go full pelt into a disciplinary speak to the player just have a quiet word in the bar and go is there some is there is there a problem are you have you had some lessons is this why you've suddenly started putting in a load of good scores just have that conversation as a golf club and even sometimes not even directly with that player speak to the playing partners ask them the question is he actually playing that badly is there actually is he working on something that has now finally clicked things like that that it's about having conversations and i think we talk about this a lot in life now it's about talking to each other and and not jumping in with both feet and really taking the evidence and then looking at it before you actually make a a statement that somebody is a cheat we don't we don't want golf clubs suddenly going around calling everybody a cheat find out what's going on before you actually get to that conflict moment yeah, I think there's a, a misconception and people will challenge me probably for saying this, but I think there's a misconception about what general play scores are for and what they can do. I think people think that, oh, right, well, we're putting general play scores in because there's a competition maybe two weeks down the road and this this person wants to win. I mean, I've put in, I think, 35 acceptable scores this year, um, which means that my handicap is 
pretty much you know where it should be and if you look at my uh record and maybe i'll put it in the piece that that goes along with this if you look at my record it's pretty much a straight line um because i i it would be very hard for me to manipulate in that way because any sort of weirdness in my handicap would get seen straight away because here i have 20 scores and an absolute straight line essentially in terms of how my whs index has progressed and then any, if you've got that kind of consistency that's just more information isn't it for companies to look at yeah and i think the way that we now play golf is very different and the way that we all manage our lives is very different um you spend a lot of time playing some fantastic golf courses uh, for, for different parts of your job. And prior to WHS, you were just going out and playing that golf course. You had no way of saying, actually, I've played that course and there's a score in my record. And didn't I play well? Or that was horrendous. That was a nightmare. But you didn't have the ability to do that because you could only play general play scores at home. Now we're giving people the option to play golf whenever and wherever they want to. So it's about saying what's right for people. I I very rarely get to play in competitions because Monday to Friday I'm working. We don't do a lot of competitions at weekends. And to be fair, when we do have competitions at weekends, I don't particularly want to be at a golf club sometimes because it's <laughs> obviously in, in the roles that we do, you get it just as much as I do. You walk into a golf club and people start asking you questions and it's like, I'm off. Yeah. I'm not working today. We never actually, we never actually stop work. So I find that actually the ability to go and play golf just because I can go and play somewhere totally different and I can just walk onto a golf course, pay a green fee and play golf suits me. And and that suits a lot of people. They might be working away from home. They might be students that, that aren't at their home golf club and just play and, and pay and play whenever they can. Golf is changing, and I think that's where we're seeing the changing in more general play scores. We're seeing more general play scores, but it's still heavily swung towards competition. And I don't think, I think we've had five, I'm guessing here, but I think it's about five and a half million uh, competition scores this year. And like I said, around about two and a half million general play scores. Um, and I think it's around about, we launched the app in April and obviously slow burn people getting used to the app. But we're now up to, on a monthly basis, about 40% of scores for general play coming through the Mindling Golf app. So we're starting to see that that shift, but competition is still the real main focus. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, my best score of the year came with a general play score. Um, which had a significant effect on my handicap, but it sits on my record, a 79 at Old Woodley, I'll take it. Yeah, um, exactly. It's there forever. Um, I mean, finally, uh, you're always going to get uh, people who agree or disagree with the system, and, and, and it doesn't matter, I suppose, how much stuff that we, we talk about it, there will be people who like it and people who don't like it, that's just life. But are you... Um, as the uh, head of handicapping at England Golf, are you comfortable with um, the work that's being done to maintain the integrity of the system and you're confident um, and happy that WHS is as um, full, no handicap system is foolproof, is it? But, is, but it is as uh, cohesive and it is, uh, it's working as it should. Yeah, I think... Uh... Being honest, I think we, we've done we've done a pretty good job. I think, and when I say we, I'm talking about everybody that's been involved in the world that's been involved with this of getting this system in. 
Um, I think they've done a by, on the whole, we've done a pretty good job. We know that there's bits that still need working on. The integrity is there. And, and we're always trying to improve that integrity and we will continue to improve that integrity. Um, I think from an England golf perspective, I'm really happy where we've got to. I think we did a lot of work prior to WHS. We tried to educate as much as we can and we've continued to try to educate. Um, and we're, we're now doing a series of other workshops and, and things with our work with internally, loads of different videos that we're trying to just get across things to people. Um, and for us, it's about continuing that education because, yes, we've, we've, it's in, but people are always going to learn and people learn in different ways and at different rates. And handicap committees change. We know January there'll be a new committee and we might have a raft of new handicap committee members and we need to start to re-educate them. So it's not going to stop. We're going to continue to roll with it. At different points and different times of the year, things will crop up and we'll deal with it. Um, and I think for me, my my probably biggest thing is when people say England golf have done this, England golf have done that. And it's like, no, it's not England golf. Yes, we are. We're administering it. But this is the rules of handicapping for the world. This is a global system. This isn't a blame game. This isn't pointing the finger at us and saying it's your fault. This is a global responsibility it's a global system we can take feedback and we can feed it into the machine that is the world handicap system but just like the rules of golf we don't make the rules of golf we just enforce them and make sure that they're applied in the right way so that's probably my out of everything this year it's probably been that going why is it always our fault why is it always our fault and i've now got to the point where i go i don't even take it in anymore i just go the people just don't quite understand so yeah uh, it's not just us we've got a we we're, we're a really small part in a very very big machine here uh, around the world so um yeah i think it's good i'm i'm quite happy with where we are um but i think we can still do more uh, and we will do more in the next uh, next 12 to 18 months yeah, well, we'll look forward to uh, seeing what comes out in, in 2022 and, and how uh, WHS goes from strength to strength. Gemma, a fascinating chat. Thanks for joining me on the From the Clubhouse podcast. No worries. Thank you very much.